welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and we're here for another editorial roundtable chat. And joining me to discuss the biggest AM news stories from this month is TCT's senior content producer, Sam Davis. Hello, Sam. Hello, how are you? I am not too bad, thank you. As me and Sam were saying in our pre-show chat, there is a, a lot of drilling going on outside of my, my flat. So I'm hoping that doesn't cause too many interruptions today like it did for an interview last week. But, you know, we'll uh, keep all our fingers crossed. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm in a similar boat, but I'm hoping that the noise will be, you know, it won't be too disruptive and we can we can get by. But fingers crossed, if there's any, you know, dodgy pauses or anything, then that would be that, I think. So don't worry, we'll be back. Have we just given away all of our secrets? Basically, yeah. That this, <laughs> this may not just be a straight chat. It might have been heavily edited. But... <laughs> well, well, we'll see how we get on because we've got four stories to cover on today's episode. Um, and when I was looking through the stories in this month, I don't know why, but I kind of thought, oh, it's not been a massive month for news. It really, really has. There's been so many good 3D printing stories throughout this month. I think I just forgot stuff that had happened earlier on. Um, yeah. But the, f- the first one we're going to cover is Adidas launching its 40 forward shoe with a carbon 3D printed lattice midsole. We're also going to cover Desktop Metal delivering sustainable 3D printing with upcycled wood waste with its new business venture, Forest. Um, Daimler Buses deploying a mobile 3D printing center to produce spare parts. And Wayland Additive has sold its first machine. If you like what you hear, don't forget you can hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you'd like more additive insight in your life, and who wouldn't, head on over to tcmagazine.com where you can also subscribe to our free additive insight newsletter and get your free print copy of tct magazine so should we just get straight into the news yeah let's do it cool so the first story as i said is carbon we're going to talk about adidas launching its 40 forward shoe with a carbon 3d printed lattice midsole and decades worth of adidas athlete data it's called the 40 forward and it's named that because it's a running shoe which features a special a special lattice structure which has been engineered to literally push the runner forward and they've achieved this with a bow tie shaped lattice dubbed the 40 forward cell which compresses forward and redirects energy upon vertical impact this design was apparently identified from 5 million possible lattice structures and compared to previous iterations of the midsole, which we've seen in the likes of the Futurecraft 4D, the Alpha Edge and the 4D Run, is said to generate three times as much forward motion under vertical loading in mechanical testing conditions, while peak braking force has been reduced on average by around 15%. The midsole is also made from 39% bio-based material and is said to provide 23% more cushioning compared to those previous generations. And the rest of the shoe has also been made in the same vein while not with 3d printing it's got this super lightweight prime knit upper which has been manufactured in part from recycled polyester to give this sort of sock like fit and also historical mapping data has been used to align this upper with the unique properties of the 4d forward midsole it will be available to customers and there'll also be a special tokyo collection which is said to be the main podium shoe for athletes at the tokyo olympics this summer um, this product is a result of this four-year-long collaboration between Adidas and Carbon. I think I said this in the piece I wrote after the launch, but this is one of those 3D printing stories where it's very easy to get swept up by the fact that it's simply cool. It's Adidas, it's a consumer product, it's Carbon. But I like this story because it is one of the best examples of 3D printing being used in a mass manufactured consumer product. And I know we've obviously got other examples of that, things like hearing aids, dental aligners, and then more kind of um, 
you know, again, consumer style products, so you, know, you might find in a shop, things like the Chanel uh, mascara brush. Um, but I spoke to Carbon co-founder and chief business officer, Phil De Simone, um, during the launch, who said, maybe he's a little biased, but quote, it was the biggest moment in the history of additive when that shoe originally launched. I do remember first seeing the Futurecraft 4D, which was the original version of this midsole back in 2017. And you'd instantly recognize a Carbon staff member at a trade show because they would all be wearing these trainers with this kind of greenish 3D printed lattice midsole um, and it won a TTT award that same year but fast forward to now as I was preparing for the conversation that I had with Phil I had a quick look on the Adidas online store and there were so many different pairs of these trainers um, with that last iteration of the 4D midsole which was cool enough but the best part was that when I clicked on some of these product descriptions, there wasn't even any mention of 3D printing on the, you know, my sister is a runner and she was, you know, really intrigued by the idea of a 3D printed midsole. But I had to point out to her which ones were 3D printed because they just looked like, you know, any other kind of, you know, futuristic looking shoe. Um, and a few years back, that really would have been the you know, look, wow, aren't we futuristic selling point? But now with something like the 4D Forward, it's not just about how it was made, but it was about how 3D printing allows you to, well, in this case, manufacture very complex lattice structures in a material that makes the athlete better. And Carbon now has so many examples of these sports partnerships. You know, you've got Rydell with the protective helmet, Specialized with the bike saddle, CMM Hockey. And one of the benefits that Phil talked about uh, from working with Adidas is that they already had this huge well of data, 17 years worth of athlete data, millions of data points to work with, which is apparently very rare. And he said Adidas was really forward thinking in that sense because they knew, you know, almost 20 years ago that one day they'd be able to use this data for a product at scale. I just think it's a really exciting uh, product. It's cool to see how far it's come in the last four years and as Phil kind of kept stressing in his talk with me, but also what Adidas kept saying in their presentation was that this is really just the beginning. This is kind of showing what is what we're capable of doing with 3D printing technology. Sam, what did you think of this story? Yeah, I was I was about to touch on that, that obviously when they um, launched the, the kind of strong midsole concept, I think in, um, I think it was towards the end of last year, um, they, they said the same that basically you know they they're constantly refining the processes involved that they're, they're you know looking to make midsoles lighter with faster printing times with every kind of new product and and they still feel as though they're scratching the surface and I think when you look at this latest launch um, there's so many different kind of elements that I think when you buy a running shoe maybe as a just a standard consumer and not as a you know an athlete that you don't think about um, in terms of you know all of the kind of energy returns and what they can mean but mm. they, they seem to be returning improved products with with every kind of announcement um every year and then if you think about it on the kind of tech side carbon are still you know expanding their materials range improving their software capabilities um and and when you think about i think they, they've touched on it a few times now the kind of the data that they're collecting with mm. with these products that you know there's almost certainly further improvements still to be made um and i guess yeah they're what four years into the partnership and it doesn't seem to be slowing down and you know i think you mentioned a good point about the the adidas store with on some of the products 3d printing not even being mentioned i think that shows that it's you know it's not a gimmick it's not something they're doing for the sake of it there's actually you know meaningful reasons why they're using 3d printing for this application and um, I think it's shown in the kind of um, 
capabilities of this latest launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And it is something that Phil touched on during the conversation. You know, he said that for companies to jump in and use additive manufacturing, it really needs to have purpose. You know, you can't just be doing it for the reasons we just said, you know, because it's mm-hmm. the next great thing to use. It needs to have, um, as we always say, that killer application. It needs to have, um, you know, a real reason for you to use it. And he said that Adidas had really just jumped in there. You know, he said, um, quote, it's not for the faint of heart, but the technology has come a long way over the last four years. Now's the time to start taking advantage of the platform that has been created and really start bringing products to scale because they know that on the back end, there are large factories that can produce these at, at very large quantities. Um, the chicken or the egg problem has been solved. The barriers of manufacturing are down. The tools for the design side and doing product discovery are getting better and better. I think now's the time to really jump in and really start taking advantage of it. Yeah, another re- another really great example of 3D printing being used in a mass manufactured product. And I'm sure we're going to see a heck of a lot more of them now if these guys have got anything to say about it. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to story two, Sam. Um, this is Daimler Buses are deploying a mobile 3D printing center to produce spur parts. So it's with the Omni Plus service brand. They've set up this mobile 3D printing center for the decentralized additive manufacturer of spur parts. Sam, you covered this story, um, was it last week? Um, I can't even remember. Maybe last week. Yeah, last week sounds about right. We've obviously been hearing about Daimler's use of 3D printing technology for spare parts for a few years now, I want to say since maybe kind of 2016, 2017. Um, I think there were a couple of announcements made in 2017 um, using AM to supply spare parts for its buses and trucks brands. And then a year later, we had the case study with Dime Mansion, which I want to say was on the cover of TST Magazine, if I'm right. And, And basically they were they were able to reproduce the color and surface finish quality of the original injection molded parts um, and then send out these printed versions of as spare components um, that they felt were up to the standard of the original pieces. Um, since then, they've been working on a this mobile 3D printing center that measures 36 meters squared, um, which they announced earlier this month. Um, this facility has been set up inside a a mobile container that will be kind of based at the the bus world home service center in hamburg but can be transported by truck to any location needing only electricity and internet connections to function um it's equipped with a hp multi-jet fusion system which Daimler is confident can meet the production standards of injection molding and also the high standards stipulated by Daimler itself for their their components um, and then there's a, a blasting system in there an air compressor industrial vacuum cleaner air filter and air conditioning as well um, and so far Daimler buses has identified 40,000 spare parts that wow. they've incurred 3d printable today and then I think they've placed an initial focus on 7,000 of those components that are currently going through a process that will see them approved and then stored in a digital warehouse um they say the motivation for this mobile 3d printing center um according to burn mac the, the head of customer services and parts at diamond buses is that by decentralizing production they can avoid warehousing costs they can reduce transportation routes and they can increase the speed at which spare parts are, su- are supplied so typically their lead times might be in the weeks for a spare part to be sent out and installed um and Daimler says with 3D printing, with this mobile printing center, it 
it can be done in in a few days um and yeah i guess it's it's an interesting concept from daimler um you know obviously 3d printing has got there's loads of opportunities within spare parts and i think we're seeing that across industries um we've spoken to baker hughes about it in the oil and gas industry um and there's loads going on in kind of aerospace and defense but i think this is the first time we've seen this kind of um idea of a mobile printing center that can be taken anywhere and you know it's another instance of a a market leader in a key industry using am to decentralize and add flexibility to their supply chain which over the last 12 18 months have obviously covered a load of with the with the pandemic so um yeah, yeah it was um a really cool story yeah this is a really interesting story because when you look at the the images that, that Dan there have sent, you know, you look inside this container and there's just the HP system and the post-processing system. This is really what we've been talking about all along, you know, the idea of 3D printing, you bring it closer to you, you know, they, they, they've taken this wherever they need those spare parts, spare parts to be manufactured. And um, it's almost seems like such a simple idea, um, but obviously it's really not. Um, but I, I just, I just really like it because it, it just it emphasizes the benefits of the fact that you can bring manufacturing closer to the point of need. You know, you've taught yourself about the amount of different spare parts examples that we've had, and especially over the last year, how much that has been highlighted around conversations on supply chain. And you know, what do we, what happens when um, we've got these super long supply chains? When there's disruptions within that, how can we use additive manufacturing to overcome it by bringing manufacturing close to the point of need and making sure that we've got manufacturing on demand. And I think the only other time we've seen examples like this has been places like the, I think it's the US Army. Um, I've done a few sort of similar projects where they've had a container with uh, some 3D printers on site. So they've been able to, you know, um, to bring manufacturing out into the field. But um, you're right, I don't think we've ever seen it done um, by such a, a, you know, a huge company like this who are actually putting it into practice. And, you know, you mentioned at the start, Sam, Daimler have been, um, leading the way with 3D printing for, for some time now. And you mentioned the cover story with uh, with Dimension and the fact that they were using 3D printing for, for end-use parts. I just think um, they're obviously a very well-equipped company to do that in terms of their knowledge of 3D printing. I just, um, yeah, I think this is just a great example of something that we've talked about for a long time and it's awesome to see it actually being put into practice. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it kind of progresses and develops, obviously with... You know, they mentioned warehousing costs and reduced transportation routes. It'll be interesting to see kind of um, if there's any figures that come out about those and, and how much they're actually able to save. And also whether they, you know, we're talking about one mobile 3D printing facility. And while it, in theory it can go anywhere, it'll be interesting to see whether they kind of, you know, build up that capacity and have several of these um, mobile containers with you know, 3D printing capability, and it'll be interesting to see whether they, you know, expand into different 3D printing processes and, and you know, have different technologies for different needs in different locations and just see how it, you know, if and how it um, develops over the next months and years. So let's move on to story three now, which is uh, from Desktop Metal. So Desktop Metal has launched Forest, which is um, a new business venture to deliver sustainable 3D printing with upcycled wood waste. This one was surprising, but probably shouldn't have been really. You know, Desktop Metal has been making acquisitions and setting up business ventures left and right over the last few months, starting with Envision Tech, which brought in the polymer side of the 3D printing sector into the fold and then setting up its desktop health vertical. Um, but Forest, spelled F-O-R-U-S-T, so don't think I'm just saying it wrong. <laughs> it's a 
is a new process and subsidiary for the high volume additive manufacturing of end use wood parts. It's built on desktop metals, single pass Bionajet technology and turns waste sawdust into sustainably manufactured custom wood products such as furniture, interiors, architectural pieces. And um, depending on the size of the application, the process can be used on desktop metal shop system or a custom version of the large format RAM 336TM 3D printer. That is not a catchy name, uh, which came from the Envision Tech takeover. Um, how it works is it deposits layers of specially treated sawdust, which are then spread and bound by this non-toxic biodegradable binder. Once it's been printed, parts can then be sanded, stained, polished, dyed, like any other regular wood product would be. And um, The parts are said to feature what desktop metal is calling a digital grain, which is created via a software that allows designers to reproduce a variety of natural wood grain, including rosewood, ash, mahogany, and, and plenty of others. Um, so the venture is being led by former Boston Ceramic CEO Andrew Jeffrey, alongside Emerging Objects founders Virginia Sanfateo, chair of the Department of Design at San Jose State University, and Ronald Rael, professor and chair of the Department of Architecture at the University of California, Berkeley. In a press release, Jeffrey said, quote, our finished pieces are indistinguishable from traditionally manufactured wood products you would find in a store. The additive manufacturing process literally becomes invisible. If you do look at some of these parts, you can have a look on tstmagazine.com. Uh, they really do just look like normal, um, you know, handcrafted wood parts. They, they look really impressive. Um, designers, manufacturers and consumers can submit their own custom designs via Forest's online store. And there's also a collection of home goods which have been designed in collaboration with some outside designers and brands, um, and they can be purchased on demand. One of those partnerships is with industrial designer Eve Behar, who has adopted the technology to create something called the Vine Collection. And it includes a few different products, including a bowl, basket, tray. Um, and I just wanted to share a quote from Eve, who said, quote, the future of design and production really hinges on new technologies coming on and allowing designers to approach materials and manufacturing in ways that are sustainable. And he goes on to say, Design isn't just something that remains the same all the time. The new technology allows us to really address some of the critical problems around the environment and global warming that we are facing, end quote. Yeah, I think that that is an important point to make. You know, designers are thinking about this now and, and as well as people in the additive manufacturing industry, you know, how do we address those problems around the environment? And we talk about it all the time, but with additive manufacturing, we do have this kind of underlying message of oh but we are more sustainable because you know we use only material when we need it we can manufacture close to the point of need like Daimler are doing or you know we can manufacture parts that are much lighter because we can you know we can hollow parts out and we can do all of these amazing things but you know um how sustainable really is that um and it's one of the reasons why the AMGTA the Additive Manufacturer Green Trade Association was set up I want to say two years ago now yeah I think that's right yeah, so you know, there's a lot of companies which have signed onto that to to really address sustainability and additive manufacturing. But I think what um, what desktop metal are doing here and by using materials um, like these um, repurposing, you know, sawdust, repurposing um, wood products, that's a really interesting different take on additive manufacturing because we've seen like um, we've seen wood like filaments um in additive manufacturing before but nothing really on this on this industrial scale um and it'd be interesting to see how far 
desktop metal takes this because as I said it's such an important part of an ongoing conversation and particularly with it being around um architecture consumer products this is um something we've spoken about with companies like um actual um earlier this year um so Hedrick Heinzman who is the co-founder and chief commercial officer of actual which is um an Amsterdam based um design furniture um design company who use 3d printing to basically mass customized products such as wall panels flooring room dividers and stairs but they use 100% recyclable renewable materials and the idea for them is once a consumer is done with the product they can then return it back to actual and the company will repurpose it into um, a new product so it's this constant circular economy um, and that is only achievable you know with with additive manufacturing and the materials that they're able to use so I really like the story I believe we're going to be speaking with um, Destam Elden Forest soon um, it's still the early days we haven't really seen very much except for these few um, designer collections but I'll be interested to see what happens when consumers can actually start accessing this and you know buying these products on demand because that's when we're really going to see you know just the the impact on day-to-day life really mm-hmm. it's um increasingly amusing how many different types of materials and kind of sizes of process have fallen under the desktop metal umbrella <laughs> but, like within a few years the, the name is kind of not really explaining anymore what the company is because it does so much but i think um what i thought was interesting about this is that the additive manufacturing industry is really, really good at kind of telling everybody um, about all of the kind of design capabilities and all of the sustainability benefits. And those things aren't baseless, but there's still loads of ways that the the technology and, and what the industry offers can, can improve. Um, you know, if you think about design, obviously software capabilities, but also materials, opening up new applications um, and then, you know, think about the sustainable sustainability benefits of of this as well of the of the forest um efforts um i think that's really interesting um and i noticed in the in the story that they weren't just talking about kind of conventional wood applications but also um polymer parts replacement as well mm-hmm. so that'll be interesting to see what kind of applications are are discovered there and and you know what those sustainability benefits are in the kind of replacement of of plastics mm-hmm. what we're going to see next from them sam ceramics maybe yeah <laughs> maybe who knows it could be anything would you have expected wood i probably wouldn't have i really would never expect this but again as, as i said the only time i've ever seen it really is in like wood filled filaments it's not something i've ever really yeah. placed with additive manufacturing but um yeah i think it's cool i've used the word cool an awful lot today i think i really like this industry (laughs) (laughs) okay the final story we're going to cover is wayland additive has sold its first metal additive manufacturing system to canadian engineering consultancy firm exodus solutions sam you had this story earlier this month yes so um wayland came to our attention in i want to say 2019 i think kind of around TC show and fall next um but that that all seems like so long ago that i have no idea really um and then they, they've kind of spent the last year moving into their new headquarters and then preparing for the launch of their caliber 3 platform which they they've done virtually and then physically in the last few weeks and months um and then as they were you know i think i think the physical event was held this month and as they were kind of bringing the the product to market they've also announced the first sale of the of the machine to um xg solutions who as as you say are a canadian 
engineering consultancy firm. Um, so quickly on the Calibre 3 platform, it's based on Wayland's new beam technology, which uh, is said to neutralize the challenges of electron beam processes and creates parts free of residual stresses as hot temperatures are applied only to the parts being printed as opposed to the whole powder bed. So Wayland describes it as a hot part process rather than a hot bed process like other e-beam technologies. And um, Wayland says that new beam promises greater flexibility and stability, reduces energy consumption and print times. And it also um, is a process that can enable a broader range of materials to be printed. So they name drop materials like tungsten and tantalum and, and copper. And mm-hmm. um, one of the key capabilities of the technology actually is it's in-process monitoring, which helps to kind of map temperature across the bed and provide users with a visual representation thanks to these high-speed infrared camera systems. Um, and it you know basically enables the user to monitor porosity, swelling, temperature changes, the topology of the powder surface and things like that. And Wayland are, are really proud of that capability and think it's really important to how their system is going to be used in a whole host of different industries. Um, the first user of the technology is Exergy Solutions, who are going to use Calibre 3 in tandem with a series of hardware-resistant materials from VBN components. Um, and Exergy basically works with clients in the mining and oil and gas industries to develop applications and is is going to be looking to deploy Calibre 3 to produce large and geometrically complex complex parts for high wear environments that are that they say are impossible to produce with any other methods of manufacture um and and they said in the announcement that the investment in caliber three will allow them to supply full service design manufacturing and qualification support for their customers and then wayland on the other hand have said that um it's in advanced discussions with several other companies now who are interested in newbie technology and i think when they when they first spoke to us, they basically said that their business model would rely on selling about five to six machines, um, at least in the first year. I don't know if that'll scale, but they don't need to sell a whole load of these machines. But um, it's it's you know interesting to hear that there's already advanced discussions now with several other companies, and I maybe we'll we'll hear about who they are should those transactions go through later in the year. But um, yeah. They're um they're based in, in Yorkshire, I think, in the UK, Wayland and um I think came to market well, officially this year, but kind of started reaching out to to companies in twenty nineteen and already have got their, their first sale through. So it'll be interesting to see um, you know, applications coming from those kind of oil and gas and mining industries, um, via Exergy solutions, um, you know, in the next few months and years. Mm-hmm. There's not an awful lot to to add, really, but I I do just want to say, you know, from a you know very biased point of view, it's great to see a UK company, you know, already having success with the, um, with this new technology. And if you look at the the time from when we very first heard about this technology, which was in the very end of 2019, mm. and then TCT took its first visit in, um, I think that was probably towards the end of 2019 as well. Yeah. Um, 
And to think that they've already, after this really challenging year where they've had to push back this launch event, they mm. I think they did an online one and of and of um, yeah. an in person one as well. So even through all that, you know, in really just over a, a year, they've managed to to sell their first machine already. And so often we in additive manufacturing, we we hear about these new machines and we don't we'll hear about them two years prior, and you know maybe mm. we might see it in in you know them finally with a customer in four years time but this is great to think that this is already going to be installed with with an end user and like you said sam i can't wait to start seeing some applications from it because you know it is a it's a unique technology it's a unique process mm. and um yeah just um, great news for whale and additive yeah and like you say it is, a, it is a new and unique process then they're, they're quite keen to point out that it isn't just another me too ebm system it's mm. you know it is a a kind of development of, of the technology there and touching on the kind of UK angle um, there's another company Meta Additive who are on the kind of binder jet side and, and likewise they're just not a me too company they're, they're doing different things with with their binder jet process so there is you know it is good to see some activity going on particularly in Metal AM within, within the UK. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should have a nice segue here for the UK event for additive yeah. manufacturing and 3D printing. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that in a bit. Uh, but yeah. Sam, I've just realised something. We've actually got through all four stories in 30 minutes, just like we promised we would. Yeah, I, I don't think we've actually managed to achieve that in the... How many have we done of these so far? Four, maybe? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, well, you know, that's pretty decent. It only took us three goes, four goes to do it, but <laughs> we got there in the end. Well, congratulations to us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, actually, touching on TST360, um, I will mention that we have just launched our registration platform for the event. It's very, very exciting. I cannot wait. Um, I never thought I'd be saying this, but I, I can't wait to get back to the NEC Birmingham for a week in, in September. Uh, you can register now for free and also um, have a look at our amazing speaker lineup. Uh, Magda, our conference producer, has done such a great job of securing a really diverse um, lineup of just great experts and users of additive manufacturing technology. So go check it out now at tct360.com. And you can also start making the most now of some of the, the features and networking opportunities throughout. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Again, if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to subscribe more Additive Insight and to get a free copy of the TCT Magazine, you can do so at tctmagazine.com. Thanks very much for listening. I will see you again next time. Bye.